Hi guys, we're going to get to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Let's get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow. We try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Guys, to find the podcast on YouTube and anywhere that you can get your podcast. Um, so this is going to be just an audio version again. Uh, this is kind of a pop-up one, so this was not planned. Uh, this is one that you, you know, I'm just kind of thinking on and studying on and still trying to work through. So I'm like, man, let's just record <laughs> like normal. Let's just, let's just record a podcast and let's see what can come out of it. So maybe this can help you, uh, as we kind of study and, and walk through and kind of talk about, uh, this topic here. So I don't know, I forgot where this came from. It might've been a conversation I had with someone on the phone or in person. Um, but this concept sometimes guys, when we, um, when we study scripture, sometimes these men and women and the the stories and the accounts that's in the Bible, many times it's um, we kind of take it as just a historical account that happened. And it's true because it actually did happen and it's actually a part of human history. So but sometimes that's where we can leave it. And the strength of study as I'm kind of going through and learning how to study on my own as well. Yes, you need to take into account that this is a historical fact that this person existed, that what they did actually happened, what God did actually happen, and this is the result of their choices. But I think an important aspect of study that we miss sometimes is the emotional component of it. So for example, you know, you think about somebody like like Joseph Right. And you think historically what the book in Genesis says, historically, right, he was thrown in prison. He was forgotten about by his family. You know, he was, um, you know, he was accused. He was forgotten about by others. I mean, so, I mean, that's real. That actually happened. But sometimes what we forget to do as we study is we forget to think about the emotion of what they felt or even you. Like, what would you have felt knowing yourself? What would you have felt if you were him, if I was him, if that actually happened to me? What would I be going through? How would I respond? How did Joseph respond? So now that that kind of deepens the level of study sometimes. And so this is where we're going with this, this concept as we study scripture. You know, many times what we can do is we can forget the emotional um, component of study. And so as we think about this, that concept of the emotional component, I had a conversation. This is where this is coming from as I'm kind of just brainstorming and, and talking through this with you as we're podcasting here. Um, the conversation came from, um, I think we were looking at Job or Joseph, someone someone in the Old Testament, but I believe it was one of those two. And um, as I'm talking with these people, um, basically the, the question kind of comes up is kind of why does God watch? You know, when you think about it, why does God watch? You know, and, and as we studied and as I kind of thought on that for a while, it it was a great it was a great question, but at the same time it, it's really complex when you really think about it in its essence. Why why does he why does God just watch? I mean think about it for you. So let's say let's say um that you're in my friend group. And let's say that, you know, everything is going great, but then things for you just totally implode. You lose your job, you lose your finances, you lose, you lose all these things, right? 
And as you lose these things, me being your friend, I just watch. I literally just watch you lose it. You know, there's no, hey, how you hanging in there's. There's no checking ins. There's no, hey, what can I do? There's no act of service. There's no prayers. There's, there's nothing. On your behalf, I do nothing. But I'm in your friend group, though. So now I do nothing, and then I continue to do nothing. So would you really classify me as a friend of yours then? I don't think you would. But here's the crazy part about it. When you, when you think about the nature of God, when you look at how he works through Scripture, that's essentially, and at some points in, in our Christian walk, that's essentially sometimes how it, how it seems to work with God. Now, does God take intercessions and prayers? Absolutely. Does he care? Absolutely. Second Corinthians 1, 1 Peter 4. Does, does he love us? Absolutely. John chapter 3. Is that his nature? Yes. First John. I mean, that's who he is. God is love, right? So, so it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of the same. Because sometimes, you know, in, in your relationship with God, You'll walk with him. You'll do what he says. You'll try to, to, to change and, and be the best version of yourself that you can be. But then things might happen like we talked about in that example. Sometimes you, you may be in a constant season of losing. You may be in a season of, of disappointment. You may be in a season of, of loss. You may be in a season of, of, uh, of famine in a lot of ways. And so then... You come to the person, you come, not even the person, you come to the creator and the being to ask for help, to ask for guidance, to ask for um, supplies, to ask for hope, to ask for all these things. And then the months and the days and the weeks go by and it's the same. I mean, your life is literally like nothing changes in your life at all. And I mean, and in your love for God and your persistence for him, you keep talking to him, you keep praying you keep serving, you keep you keep worshiping him, loving him. You know, you keep honestly believing in those prayers and having faith, but then the weeks go and the months go and the years go and nothing changes again. So now you you start to question now your closeness to God. Because it's like, okay, if I felt like I was close to somebody physically, if they see me in some type of loss, if they see me in some type of pain, if they see me in some type of discomfort, I wouldn't think that they would want to just see me in that state without doing anything, without checking in, without seeing, hey, what can I do? Hey, are you even okay? Are you good? You know what I mean? I would think that. I would, I would hope that that's what, what, what people would do. And that's something that you would hope something that I would do for you if, if you were in my friend group. But then with God... All those things continue to happen to you in this season, and God is silent. God does nothing. God doesn't God doesn't add. Actually, if some action is being taken, he just keeps taking away. And it's not him. It's just like life just keeps taking away. So now, here comes our question of what we've been talking about and what we're brainstorming and what we're working through here with you guys as we're talking together. So if this is the case, if God is the God of all comfort, 2 Corinthians 1, if God is love, uh, 1 John, if, if God is love, uh, John chapter 3, 
So if that is his nature, and if that is who he is, then why does God watch then? So then now, this is where we start questioning, well, why does God watch when things happen to you? When, 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 when he obviously sees being, you know, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, he obviously sees what you've been dealing with for the past couple of years, maybe for a lifetime. He sees what you've been going through. He sees the obstacles. He sees the hurdles. He sees the losses. He sees those things. But for some reason for you, though, and it's, it's weird, but for you, though, God just seems like just he's just watching. Does that does that make sense to you guys? We're kind of working through this and, and talking through and studying. I mean, naturally, just just off statistics alone, if you're in a friend group of, of 10 people, let, let's even lower that. If you're in a friend group of six people and great things and you're rejoicing and you're weeping with those that rejoice and weeping with those that weep. But realistically speaking, what's the odds of everything working out for all six? They're pretty low. So now, naturally, if you're a part of a friend group of six, let's say, and you're in a group of six, and then the other five, things seemingly seem to be adding. And you're you're legit. I mean, there's no jealousy there. There's no envy there. There's no inner hatred there. There's no inner wrath there. Because they're legitimately your friends, you are legitimately 100%, you know, happy for what's going on for them. And that's, it's, it's amazing. And you want to be a part of what's going on for, with them. And you want to be a part of their lives. And you want to be a part of the good things that the Lord seemingly is adding. But then there's you in this group of six. There's you. And in this group, God just watches you, it seems like. It seems like he may not add. He may necessarily not even take away. He just kind of seemingly watches you exist. And he watches you, and he watches you, and he watches you. So now, as we're talking through this, guys, and if you can relate to this, you know, I hope you can as we study. But as I was meditating on this and thinking on this um, concept of why watch, you know, why why does God watch? Why does he just sit there and watch? It doesn't make sense. So here's a couple things that initially that I, I've kind of come up with as I've studied scripture and I've studied some of these accounts and I see the the common thread throughout all of this. Let's say that. So here's a couple things that I see, and, and I hope that this is kind of illuminate this a little bit more. And I hope that as you study this, you know, let me know, let me know, send me a message, let me know what you've seen so I can add this to my study too. So here's what I saw in scripture. Why does God watch? Number one, it looks like as I look through scripture, God watches to test your follow through. God watches to test your follow through. What are we what, what are we playing basketball now? We're talking about follow through, but I mean let's let's go with it. So now, if you play basketball, one thing coaches tell shooters all the time is you know, your follow through has to be there. If the follow through is not there, 
just aesthetically, the shot's going to look bad. Just just on aesthetics alone, you're, you're going to look terrible out there. But then, two, the odds of the shot actually going in are so low because your follow-through is bad. So now think about this. What is God testing then? So let, let's, let's think about this for a minute. So in Genesis 22, you know, obviously you have that account of Abram. And Abram from basically Genesis 12 to Genesis 21 had waited for Isaac for 25 years. Now Isaac is to be offered as a sacrifice. But notice the wording of what's happening here. Now again, this is this is historic. This actually happened. These these accounts and these people are actually real. But again, as we walk through these things, as we study, try to put the emotion in it to make it real. All right? So then verse 1 of chapter 22. It came to pass that after these things that God did tempt Abram or Abraham and he said Abraham and he said, Behold, here I am. Take thy son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. So, why does God watch? Why does, why does he watch? Because God wants to test your follow-through. So think about it. Remember the friend group thing that we mentioned before? So there's obviously some level of relationship there. There's some level of friendship there in your group. There's some level. So with your relationship with God, there should be some level of closeness. There should be some level of love. Because as we've obeyed what the Lord has said through scripture, as we've obeyed the gospel, we began a relationship with him. So now as we build this relationship with him, According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, verse 7 says that love bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, and it endures all things. So what is this thing in the middle between me and God and between you and your friend group or you and whoever? What's in the middle of y'all? Agape love, love. So now, if that's in the middle of my relationship with God, of your relationship with God, what is God going to test? He's going to test if you love him back. Think about that. God is going to test if you love him back. Because what's his nature? His nature is love. God is love. That's that's who he embodies Love is who he is. So if God on his side, he already gave John chapter three for God. So agape, God gave of himself that he gave his only his best. So he's already done his part. But now for us. If he's sitting there and God is allowing things to happen in your life that you don't understand that doesn't seem necessarily fair, that don't seem necessarily even right, to be honest with you. So if God allows that to happen, and it seems like it's just you, though, which is weird, right? Again, if we're bringing our statistics in and a group of six, it's it's almost like you're the, the, the one in the box all the time. It's like you're the one in that box. So if the Lord is doing that for you, if he's allowing those things, if we say... 
that we love God, like we said we did when we began this relationship with him, if we say we do, when he allows certain things to happen, how should my and your maturity be with him then? If I agape him back, whatever he allows, I will bear it. Whatever he allows, I believe that it is for my good. Whatever he allows, I hope that he is leading me on the right way. I hope in him. I know where he's leading. If these things happen, if God allows these things, I will endure the trials of these constant hurdles that just keep happening to you for some reason. I will keep I will keep enduring through these things. Why am I enduring? Why am I bearing? Why am I believing? And why am I hoping? Because I love God. It's crazy, right? As we just study this and as we're brainstorming, that's crazy. So what is God testing then? God, so it's not like God's love needs to be tested on our end because he already he already did the ultimate for us. So we don't even deserve the opportunity to have a relationship with him and to love him. We don't even deserve that. But he gave us way more than we even deserve. So it's not like God's love has to be tested in this relationship because God's love is already, he's already given everything. So now on my end, on your end, when these things happen, Allah, Job, Joseph, Daniel, Abram, and the list goes on, as these things happen to these men and these women, Sarai, we can keep going. So now after all these things happen, then it's like, huh, maybe I need to give something to him. Maybe I need to give something to him. So what is God going to test? God is going to test your follow through. So what was he testing with Abram in Genesis 22? His follow through. How do we know that? So the text literally says in chapter 22, verse one, God was going to tempt or the word means to test or to prove Abram. But then notice if you jump down to verse uh, number 11, after he stretched forth his hand, the angel of the Lord came and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything to him. Now watch the wording here, guys. The wording special here now. For now, after I tested your follow through to give something up that you've been waiting on for 25 years. So with me, Abram, what did Abram do with God, guys, in that situation? Abram waited. He fell while he waited. He sinned and he messed up while he waited. He got the son that he's been waiting for. God says, give that son up. So now Abram could have sat there and thought about his journey all the way back from Genesis 12. And Abram could have said, you know what? I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. Why would he ask me to give it up when I waited for this? Why would he, why would he mess this up like this? Why would he plan it out this way? Abram believed. Abram hoped. Abram endured all things with God. And he bared all things with him. And so now the wording says, because I've seen you do that, Abram, now I know that you fear God. So maybe the Lord is allowing things to happen to you that on the outside 
they really seem somewhat cruel. It seems somewhat unfair. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. But could it be possible that God is testing your follow through so that he could say to you, <laughs> now I know. Now I know that you fear me. Now I know it. So again, why does God watch? Why does he watch? He might watch to test what your love is really like. You claim to love me. You claim to say after you obeyed the gospel, you claim that I was the Lord of your life. You claim that you would give your life up to me. You claim that you would deny yourself. That's what you claim. But where's it at though? Where's it at though? See, God's got to test it, guys. And that's not cruel at all. We do that with each other. Oh, let me see if they like me for real. Let me see if they care for real. We do that. And we're, we're petty with it. God does it for our good. So we can't say that the Lord is doing all this and he hates us and he's putting us through this and it doesn't make sense. And, you know, I guess this is not a good relationship with God because this stuff is happening to you. That's not fair. It's not fair to put that on him, especially after he gave his best. That's not that's not that's not a fair assessment. So we've got to change our perception on how we perceive this thing. Okay, that's a part of this. We got to change this. So why does God just sit there and watch to test your follow through? Then why does God also sit there and watch? God sits there and watches to perfect the plan. To perfect the plan. Again, let's not take these things as just historical alone that they happen, but put yourself in this, knowing you and knowing how you've responded and you respond to situations. How would you have responded if you were Joseph? How would you have responded? God has to perfect the plan. And so sometimes, guys, in order for the plan, to be in effect, in order for the, the, the plan to be perfect, God will sit there and allow things to blow up. He will sit there and allow things to be unfair. He will sit there and allow things to not work out. He will sit there and just watch. And, and like I said before, in your friend group, if you see your friend treated unfairly, if you see your friend hurting, if you see your friend disappointed, if you're a friend, why would you just sit there and watch them go through that and not do anything? So then from God's perspective, God just watches. Why is he watching? Because unlike us who are friends to each other, I don't know the future, but God does. So we got to get out of our own way sometimes when it comes to this. God is perfecting the plan. So I think about this sometimes. I think about, you guys ever think about your life sometimes where, and I think I'm going to do a podcast on this pretty soon, but you kind of look at your life of where you are now. And do you ever look back sometimes and you ever say like, what if I would have done this though? Like, how would that have altered my reality? 
What if I would have done this? You know, basically, basically Marvel multiverse your life, basically. What if, what if I wouldn't have gone here? What if, what if I wouldn't have chose this, this profession? What if I would have just stayed? What if I would have just, what if I didn't get hurt? What, what if, you know what I mean? Like, what if none of that happened? What if, but what if these things happen? You ever do that before? Like you can literally go down a, a pretty dark hole because when you alter one decision that you made or when you alter one thing that's already done, it automatically alters everything else of where you're at. So, I mean, there's an infinite number of things that can go south and that could be different from what it is now because of what you may or may not have done. But when you think about God and his his ultimate wisdom, God had already known everything before it even happens. So another reason why, specifically from Joseph's perspective in, in the book of Genesis, the reason why God didn't do anything with Joseph is he was perfecting the plan. From, Joseph, from, from Genesis 37 to chapter 50, that's 17-ish years. That's a long time. That's a long time of just, and I, I think about myself and Joseph's perspective where my faith and where my trust levels at right now, I think I would have been quit, to be honest with you. I think I would have been quit. And, and not quit, but like, because I think I would have always kept working and kept, you know, doing my job, wherever that job was. But I think my belief would have totally been shot. Because I, I, I know my, I think I, I think my belief would have been shot, to be honest. And, you know, basically, it's almost like you've done nothing wrong, but it's almost like life is treating you as if you're the problem. If you're the cancer, you're the issue. And the, whenever you go, things get better. Where, wherever, you know what I mean? Like, that's what, so, so now when it's, when it comes to, to Joseph, I think about his emotions. I think about those lonely nights in jail. You know, I, I think about those nights where he's in that pit. I think about the 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 nights and the days where he's walking on that train as he's as he's going to Egypt to be a slave. You know, I think about the the unknown parts of it. And and when you think about from that perspective over and over for 17 long years it just keeps happening. Like life finds a way to mess up for you. Even if you're trying to do what's right, it finds a way to mess up for you. And my faith, and I don't know about you, but where where would your faith have been in that moment? God, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Like, have you abandoned? But what did I do wrong? Like, what am I? What what did I do wrong? Number one. What am I gonna do? What am I supposed to do? Why why won't you do anything? The text indicates, because it literally says that the Lord was always with Joseph. But I wish sometimes that we would have had a recorded Joseph prayer like we have for David. So the Lord was with David too, right? The Lord loved David too, right? The Lord, um, I mean, the Bible literally says that David was a man after God's own heart, right? But when you read the Psalms of David, you see struggle. You see pain, you see emotion, 
you see you see his heart lost. You see his mind lost. You see his body weak. You see his mental weak. But I think sometimes we have this concept sometimes that we can't show others and we can't show God that I'm weak, that I don't understand, that things don't make sense, that things don't seem fair. Because we sometimes we have this concept that if we say that and if we pray that to God, then we're not faithful like Joseph was. So now we're putting this on our young guys and we're putting this on our young girls. Well, you need to be like Joseph. You need to be like all these guys. But we don't have specific prayers that they prayed. So just because the Lord was with Joseph and the Bible says that, could it be possible that Joseph had the same prayers that David did in the Psalms? So do we call David unfaithful because he prayed like that? You know, so many times, guys, God is perfecting the plan. And I don't know what your plan is. But I do know, like, like you think about this, like, just scientifically. You think about we're, we're getting ready to hit, hit fall, and then after that, we're getting ready to hit winter. And we get a lot of snow up here. And so as we get snow, scientifically, we can get six inches, we can get ten inches, we can get all these inches of snow. And when you look at how the snow comes down and then after it comes down, it just sits. Every snowflake is different, but it looks the same, doesn't it? But everything is designed differently. And so here's what you have to realize, too, about the plan. What the Lord is going to do for you, it's going to be different than what it's going to be for me. And I think sometimes, you know. We got to be careful because how things worked out for you, I can rejoice with you. But just because it worked out for you that way doesn't mean it's going to work out for me that way. Now, does that make me bad that it didn't work out? Does that make you bad because it's di- no, it's just where d- the plans are designed different. So that, that doesn't make it wrong. That doesn't make it sin. The plan is just different. That's, that it just is what it is. And so sometimes If you have two people, one person may not have to go through as much. But guess what? That's the plan. One person may have to face the fire way more. Is that fair? In our eyes, no, it's not. Would you pick going through the fire more? I wouldn't. I'm sure you wouldn't. But we can't pick. So that's that's the plan. So what somebody else went through and how they got to where they got, the road might have been easier. Guess what? That's the plan. And when they get there, you should rejoice with them. But for others, they may have to go through way more than you'll ever have to deal with. But guess what? That's the plan. But what can we do knowing that the plans for each of us is different? We can encourage each other, like the book of Hebrews says, to exhort one another daily to believe. Hey, bro, I don't know what the Lord's doing with you right now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why he's, I, I don't know, man. But you need to keep believing in him. You need to keep believing in what he can do. You need to keep believing in his power. You need to go back and read the Old Testament and be reminded of who God is. You're serving the great I am. I can't give you answers of, you know, how the Lord's going to work in your life and what plan and what he's going to bring. I I can't say that, but what I can do as a brother in Christ, 
I can encourage you. Look, man, you need to keep believing. You need to keep increasing your faith because you're going to, regardless of how your plan looks, you're going to need belief and faith. You're going to need it. So brother, brother, sister, you need to strengthen that. Sometimes the Lord just sits there, guys, and watches to perfect the plan. And one thing that I would advise you to do is don't compare your plan to somebody else's plan. Because then what you can tend to do, and you, you don't want to do this because this, this is not God's character, and this is not who he is, and God is not a respecter of persons, and you never want to get in your mind that God loves others more than he loves you for some reason. You, you, don't, want to, you don't want to go down that, that wormhole because you just don't want to go down there. But don't compare. What you should do with everybody is rejoice and weep with them, but don't compare. Don't compare. Because when you compare, then you'll start to get in your mind somehow that you're almost loved less because you're who you are. You're almost loved less because you're you're in a Joseph situation. You're loved less because you're in a Abram situation or you're in a David situation, you're loved less than those that are around you. And it's easy to justify that. But you got to remember, the Lord is just perfecting the plan. And I said this before on on other venues. I've said this before, just in conversation. Whatever the plan is for me, whatever the plan is for you, One thing that I can't wait to say, and I may not say this out loud, I probably won't say it out loud, but just mentally, just kind of within my own heart, I can't wait, bro. And that's like a driving factor for me, though, is I can't wait within my own self to say Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. God meant it for good. I can't wait to say that. Because then you can look back and be like, I see the, and that's, that's the great thing that the Lord does in his mercy too, is sometimes he'll let you look back and he'll let you see the plan. And then here's the positive side of the multiverse. Then you'll be able to see, I see why that had to, I, I didn't like that moment, but I see though, I, I get it. I wouldn't have chosen that, but I see why that had to happen. Oh, I didn't want to go through that. I didn't want to lose that. I didn't want to lose the money. I didn't, but I I got it. I was, because if that didn't happen, then this wouldn't happen. Then if that wouldn't happen, then they wouldn't have showed up. You know what I mean? So now that's the cool part about going back. If you follow through with the plan, if you believe, if you bear, if you hope, and if you endure all things, then the cool part is the Lord will allow you the chance to look back and he'll be able to show you the plan. So that's the thing that I can't wait to do with God is I can't wait for the day that he shows me the plan. But because the plan is not done, I just have to bear, believe, and hope and endure all things, whatever he brings, because the plan is not done. You guys you guys flowing with me here as we're studying and brainstorming? All right, so here's, here's, the, here's my third one as I kind of looked at this too. Why else does God watch? Not only does he want to test your follow through, not only does he want to perfect the plan, but then number three, this is crazy. 
as I thought about this today as I'm sitting here in the office. God sits there sometimes and he just watches because he wants to get closer to you. Sometimes he'll sit there and watch because he wants to get closer to you. Now, think about the relationship thing we brought up before. God has already done everything, right? But after he allows things to be lost for you, after he tests you with things, God can't tempt, but he can test. So if God allows these things, why does he do that? I read a book by, um, again, I referenced this before in a previous podcast, by Rosemary McKnight called Those Who Wait. And there's a chapter where um, it's mentioned that the Lord will take away anything that he decides to take away in order for you to wake up and get closer to him. He'll take away whoever and whatever he has to take away in order for you to get closer to him. And sometimes that's why he'll sit there and watch so patiently because as things are being taken away and as you're constantly finding yourself in maybe a season of of loss and losing, he wants to see, will you run to him or will you run to other things and other people that will not give you the satisfaction that he does. He actually wants to get closer to you. And here's the thing about your faith, guys. The faith that you have, that you're trying to develop through studying scripture. You don't know who you are. And you don't know the level of faith that you have. Until adversity strikes. Then when adversity strikes, your money, people, jobs, spiritual stuff, whatever. When you hit adversity, adversity is a gauge to see where you're really at. And if you find yourself always kind of slipping When you're in adversity, always kind of panicking when you're in adversity, it showed that the thing and the people that you lost, you actually put more trust in them. And when you lost it, then you lost yourself because your faith and everything was invested in what the people and the things could provide. But when the Lord took it away, now what do you have? You have nothing. So now the Lord uses the times of adversity to get you closer to him. But we have to take that opportunity. We got to take it. And so that's why adversity is actually good. And that's why the more and more I'm studying, the more and more you just live life, the more and more you understand why Paul says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Because this is the thing that guides your faith. This is the thing that shows you where your relationship with God is. This is the thing that you need. And here's the thing about adversity. Not many people want adversity in their life. Not a lot of people are are used to adversity. 
So when adversity hits, we don't know how to handle it. But the thing about adversity that's amazing is you learn so much through it. And I think about Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 8, where it talks about the priesthood of Jesus. And it talks about in verse 8, though he were a son, he had that relationship with God as you and I try to. Though we are a son, though you are a daughter, yet, watch this, yet learned he obedience. How, so how did he learn how to be truly obedient to the father? He didn't learn it being coddled. He didn't learn it by everything always being all good. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Guys, guess what you're suffering is trying to teach you? Guess what all this loss and all this pain is trying to teach you? Obedience. Obedience. So guys, our, per- our perspective on this, it totally got to change. And I propose this. And this is this is something that's pretty cool as I studied this. And this changed my perspective on a lot of things. Maybe we're asking the wrong question, guys. Maybe it's not so much when you go through things. Why does God just sit there and watch? Maybe that's not the right question. Maybe we need to change that up to this. The Lord's not sitting there and watching you. The Lord's sitting there waiting on you. And when that adversity, when that disappointment, when that loss, when that hurt, when all that stuff happened, instead of the Lord just sitting there just aimlessly watching your pain, I think the Lord is just waiting for you and me to run to him. And the question is for us, guys, where, where and who have we run to? Maybe all along, God's been waiting on you to run to him. He hadn't been watching you aimlessly suffer. He's been waiting on you with open arms to come back. So, man, I mean, those are just kind of my thoughts on it as I study through this and as I'm kind of working through it and praying on it and studying on it, meditating on it. I mean, I hope you're able to get something out of it. Um, But again, if, if I know you in person, whether here or like through social media, like send me a message and like, let me see your study on it. You know, let me see something that you saw on it because I'm trying to compile um some stuff on this and maybe we can use this to help some more people so but i mean i I hope that was a good pod you know i hope that i was able to maybe cause some cause you to think uh cause you to kind of maybe change some things up so but i appreciate you guys um appreciate what you guys do and thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast and we couldn't we couldn't do anything without god number one but without you guys so Uh, Lord willing, we'll be back with another podcast on Monday in the studio with video. 
Uh, so I look forward to doing that, and we'll check you guys out then. Thanks, guys.